Everybody have a good week? I had a very busy week as usual, but all good. Trying to get all the technical stuff up here ready to go. Without a cause, this is the second week for this series, and I have no idea how far we're going to go with it. That's up to the Lord. Um, big mistake. The study's coming up the last Sunday in October and the first two Sundays in November. If you'd like to join us on that, there's different things throughout the church. Sign up for it. I think uh, I asked for at least 25 people to join to come to that, and I think we're past that already, so that's all good. Um, so we're going to do that study. It's based on the few sermons that I preached a few weeks ago. And so I hope you join us for that. It's going to be a, a time to teach a little bit of homiletics, uh, how we put things together, how we teach classes, and it, uh, is it going to be a, t- a time for you to, to spend a, a half hour or so uh, going through some scriptures and trying to break it down and then sharing it with uh, the, you that want to share it will share with the, with the class of what you've learned. It, it'll be fun. It'll be a, a good study. Uh, I say fun because uh, I love to study the Word of God, and it's, it's just fun to me. Uh, I'm, maybe I'm a little weird, but I, it, it's just fun to me. It's fun to find things that you never knew uh, before and how it fits in with your life so closely. Uh, I've got to get a, I've got to get this obstacle course together up here. Let me see if I can get over here. Because we're going to have a couple of you come up here in a few minutes. Well, I was down in Kentucky throughout the week working on the dorm down there. We finally finished that job. Dorm up and down there for 10 months. I was happy to get it over with. And uh, I've learned something about college kids. They're not that smart. <laughs> they have little common sense and little sense of humor. Unless you're doing something they like, I guess. Um, but it's all good. Now, I'm putting this obstacle course together. It's one of the, one of the lessons we want to learn today. We'll have a couple people come in a little bit. I've got a ball here. got some caution tape. Huh. You all know I'm crazy, so it's all right. It's all good. Ain't nobody in a hurry, are we? Oh, good. John Blackwell, you're not in a hurry? You lying. You ain't got no roast on. It wouldn't burn anyway. You had one in the microwave, you'd forget to turn the oven, you'd forget to turn it on. He said, well, Paul, what do you spend all this time doing this for? I don't know. It's fun. What are you guys, you guys are all watching me. All right. Without a cause. This is kind of a, a strange title, When Love's Not Enough. And I mentioned that to Brooke this morning. I saw her eyes. She thought, what in the world does that mean? Well, it's the same thought I had when God asked me to, to uh, pray about this title, When Love's Not Enough. And I'm talking about Christ's love and the, the love the church has for, for people. That's kind of that's the love I'm talking about. And uh, uh, for, for most of the world, or a lot of the world, uh, we'll, we'll learn that, uh, that Christ and, his, and the love he has for, and the mercy and the grace he's given us off that cross, it doesn't seem to be enough for people. And as you deal with people, as you go through the world, and especially in the church, and, and you deal with people, you start to realize that they, they're not really interested in, in, the, in this love. This love is not near enough for them. Although Christ's love is more than enough for everybody. Don't get me wrong. That, his love is perfect. His love is wonderful. But that's not the love they're looking for. So it's not enough for them. And that's what I'm talking about. And even church people, uh, they can get to the point where they just kind of get burnt out, and they think, well, they just, all of a sudden, this love that he has for us is just not enough. And so we get ourselves in trouble in many ways when that happens. <clears throat> Without a cause, and I'm going to read something that we wrote this week, and it's uh, this living, with, living for a cause. We're talking about, as we go through this sermon, and we're going to be here for a while, but as we learn, last, last week, I want you to learn how to be filled with the Spirit of God. And I can tell you when, you, when you're filled with the Spirit of God, you've got a cause in your life. And so we wrote this this week, and it starts out, I hope don't get bored with me here, but it starts like this. Living for a cause. From now on, if you listen obediently to the commandments that I am commanding you today, love God, your God, and serve him with everything you have within you, he'll take charge of sending the rain at the right time. That's Deuteronomy chapter 1, verses 13 through 14. Repeatedly, the Bible says to serve the Lord with all your heart. 
And I think uh, uh, we need, that's the, one, of the, one of the most important things we need to do as a church is to learn to serve the Lord. That's why we have all the teams. God wants you to serve him passionately. And passionately is a word here. I've used so many times there. Not dutifully, or, or a duty, but passionately. People rarely, rarely excel at tasks they don't enjoy doing or feel passionate about. God wants you to use your gifts to serve him and others. He wants you to, wants you to lose, use it for living for a cause. How do you know when you are serving God for, from your heart? The first telltale sign is enthusiasm. It's enthusiasm. If, if when you're picking up the word of God, and I know maybe early in the morning as you're wiping the sleep out of your eyes and you're trying to get that first cup of coffee or whatever, and you don't have a whole lot of enthusiasm, but I'm telling you, within a few minutes, if your heart is where God's asking to be, if you're being filled and you're filled with that Holy Spirit, you get, you get enthused about the word of God. Don't you, don't you just get enthused about it? At least I do. I just get, I get ecstatic about it. I love it. And I get enthused about the word of God. It's something that, that goes along with the passion that God gives us. It's enthusiasm. When you're doing what you love to do, no one has to motivate you. But if we're living without a cause and, and, love, and Christ's love is not enough, when love's not enough, it seems like we just spend a lot of time in the church motivating people. Try to motivate people all the time. Just continually motivating people. And sometimes we need to quit motivating people and let God deal with them. Amen? It challenges you or, ch or check up on you. You do, not, you, do, you do it for the sheer enjoyment. You don't need rewards or applause or to be paid because you love serving this way. You are living for a cause. The opposite is also true. When you don't have a heart for what you're doing, you're easily discouraged. You're living without a cause. One characteristic of serving God from your heart is effectiveness. Whenever you do what God wired you to do, wired you to love to do, you get good at it. Passion drives perfection. You need to write that down. Passion drives perfection. If you don't care about a task, it's unlikely that you'll excel at, excel at it. There is no fun or power in living without a cause. On the other hand, the highest achievers are those who do things because of passion, not duty or profit. They're living for a cause. Remember, the greatest things in life are not things. Meaning is far more important than money. The richest man in the world once said, a simple life in the fear of God is better than a rich life with a ton of headaches, a heartaches. That was Solomon, Proverbs 15, 16. How can one possibly go wrong when living for the for cause of Christ? Don't settle for achieving the good life because the good life is not good enough. Ultimately, it doesn't satisfy. You can have a lot of love, you can have a lot to live on and still have nothing to live for because you're living without a cause worth living for. Aim instead for the better life, serving God in a way that expresses your heart. Figure out what you love to do, that which God gave you the heart for, and then do it for his glory. When you live your life for the cause of Christ, you will live life to the hilt, and then you go. Amen? Dear Heavenly Fathers, we come before you this morning, Father. We ask you to open our hearts to understand this message, Father, to understand these people in the past of yesterday. They had the same issues we have. They have jobs and they have children and they have all kinds of issues, Father, the same as we do. Their nature is the same as ours. Their personalities are the same as ours. Father, it, it's, it's the same thing we deal with today. So, Lord, let us look at your word to, to see how to live and see how not to live and see how to do things, Father, in the way that you've called us to do them. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We'll be looking back. We're going to spend some time in Joshua throughout this series probably, but today we're going to look back a little bit in, into Deuteronomy, and uh, we're looking as, a, as the Israelites were just let out of Egypt. Well, they were a peculiar people, kind of like us today, you know, um, God would give them miracles and blessings and they'd turn around and, and, and act like God never did anything in the first place for them. And it, it's kind of just the same way we are today. God had taught them, gave them his commandments and everything he wanted them to know the first couple of years that they were in the wilderness. And then he commanded them. He didn't ask them. And a lot of times we, we get the mistake that God's asking us something. 
his word is not really asking us as commandments. And so when we look at this, well, God won't mind if I don't do that right now. Well, no, yeah, yeah, he really will. It's a commandment. And so God commands them to do things, and then because we have these personalities and characteristics and because love's not enough and, and all kinds of things, we decide we know better than God. And, and so fear comes in the factor of a lot of things, and that's what we're looking at this morning is that, and then we're going to head, we're going to be marching to Jericho, but we're not going to get to Jericho so much today. When love is not enough. I wrote something this morning, too, that Vicky said something last night and we liked about it. It's called sympathizing with people's brokenness is not showing them their way out. And I'll explain that as we go. But sympathizing with people's brokenness is not showing them the way out. A lot of times we get, we get uh, all wound up in and, 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 and this big bundle of trying to help people all the time. Just trying to help person after person after person. And in reality, the love of Christ is all we have to give them. And if that's not enough for somebody, I've got to learn to walk away. I've got to learn. The church needs to, you say, well, that's this harsh. That's harsh. If God's not working there, if, if that love that we're offering them is not enough for them, then I can't keep giving them something I don't have. They're not going to accept it. And if they do, it's just for a matter of moments. It's God's love. It's Christ's love is the only thing that changes people. It's the only thing we have, and it's the most powerful thing we have. And so we need to learn to, to not sympathize with people so much. Because once we start getting into that mode, we start listening to all their complaints and all their things, and none of it has to do with the love of God. Because that's not what they're looking for. Not even one can live with a cause until they become certain that they have been living without a cause. Does that make sense? Until I am certain that I've been living a life without a cause. And, and let me tell you, this world we live in, you know, they're wanting to build a wall across the, the south down there, which is whatever, fine. But the, the wall's being built in this country, Christians and non-Christians, okay? Muslims or whatever, they're, they're right in there with the non-Christians. There's a wall already being built. And we've got we've to, as, as a church, we've got to knock that wall down. We've got to quit being stuck in the church. We have got to, to be bold and go on offense, which we'll talk about today. Get on the offense, always and never on defense, and go where Christ is telling us to go. And not sympathize and get dug down into the dirt because if love's not enough, wipe the dust off your feet and go on. Amen? Because the love of Christ is what we've got, and that's all we've got, and that's all we need. Jesus. Amen? Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. When love is not enough, welcome to the wilderness, America. See, that's where, the, that's where America is. We're in the wilderness because the love of Christ is not enough. Well, how do you know that? Because we've thrown him out of everything. So the love of Christ is not enough for America. So we're in the wilderness. Now, I'll tell you something. The wilderness is a scary place to be. Now, God not left us because God never left them in the wilderness. The cloud was always with them in the day. The manna was with them every morning. The fire at night was always with them. God was always with them. But they weren't so much with God. But God was always with them. And God's still with America. He still loves us. The church is still here. But we have taken the love of God and trampled it over and over again. We're just wandering in the wilderness. And I believe that as we watch the Israelites cross over to the Jordan to go to, the, to Jericho, that's where the church needs to head. We've got to get out of the wilderness and head over. When the love of your church is not enough, no sacrifice is left. That's Hebrews 10, 26. Listen, listen I'm going to take deep in this a minute. For if we sin, and this is talking about the non-Christian, this is talking about apostates and people that don't know Christ. This is not talking about the, the church or following God. If for if we sin willfully, in other words, we just sin because we like to sin, after we have received the knowledge of the truth, after you've said, people come to this church and they'll sin, and they'll just sin willfully like it's no big deal. They leave the church, they go, boom, it's no big deal. Well, that's called apostates. It's once they believe something, or they thought they believed some knowledge of something, got some knowledge of something, and they leave it. They leave it. They leave it. It's an apostate. We have one of the vice presidents that's running for the office uh, I don't, maybe, Cain, maybe his name is. And I read this week where, where he's a Catholic, fine, but I read this week where he's evolved in his beliefs. 
And now he believes that the Catholic Church needs to accept homosexuality. He's evolved. Well, thank you very much. This does not evolve. Amen? The Word of God does not change because you change doesn't make this change. I'm sorry, Mr. Whoever you are. You're an apostate. Period. You don't believe what this believes. And that's what's causing the problems in this country. Is too many of us want to evolve the, the Word of God into something it's not. For if we sin willfully, after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins. What, is, what, is that, what does that mean? If Judas Iscariot followed Jesus around. Amen? He followed him around. He had the knowledge. He had the truth. He saw it. He saw the miracles, yet he walked away. Because the love of Jesus wasn't enough for him. He walked away. He was an apostate. It's not how long time you spend it or how many Bible studies you do. It's not anything about that. It's about the love of Christ that you have brought into your heart so passionately and you want to make your life wonderful with him. It's about knowing that Bible is the word of God and it cannot change. It will not change or it's not truth. If this changes, if this changes, it's not absolute truth. It cannot change. Or throw it out and close the doors. That man's a fool. He's a fool. And he's burning a path straight to hell. He's like, how can you say that? Because I hear his words. And they're not of God. For if we sin willfully after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins. I spend, and I'm very guilty of this, and I'm trying to, 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 to rearrange the way, we, the way I work in this church and the way I serve in this church, is I spend too much time dealing with people that do not want the love. They want more than the love. And I don't have any more than the love, but yet I'll spend too much time trying to get them to accept the love. But I can't give them any more than that. And they're never happy with that. And so my life, I want to help them so much. And I've got to learn not to do that. You do too. And it's a hard thing to do, isn't it? President Reagan believed that by leading in strength, the people would have no need to fear. That's why he built up the military. That's why the Soviet Union fell. When we let the strength of the Holy Spirit lead, we need not fear. Amen? Amen? When the Holy Spirit is leading us, we need not fear. And the church, I'm telling you, the church lives in fear. And if it wasn't living in fear, we would be going. It wouldn't, this country wouldn't be building a wall. Wouldn't want the church to shut up. You know what I'm really sick of? is North Carolina. I love that state. My goodness, they're standing for something. And the NCAA and the NFL and everybody else is pulling out. Well, pull out. Pull out of Indiana. I don't need you. I don't have to watch a football game. I don't have to watch anything in the NCAA. Pull on out. My goodness, at least that one state is standing. We need to pray for those wonderful people down there. We must be on offense. They're on offense. 49 other states are on defense, just waiting for something to happen. <laughs> Shaking in our pants. Staying on course with God will, will overcome the obstacles. Course set by Satan. Give me a couple volunteers. One more besides Regina. I know Regina's coming. Come on, some guy. Buddy's coming. Give me one more. Oh, I got it. Okay, good. Now, this opposite course we set up, we just start right here. Now, what happens is, in life, we spend a lot of time looking at the things in front of us, the obstacles in front of us. Do we or do we not? And, and every time we look down at the obstacles, we're going on defense. We're not, we're not off. We look at the obstacles in our life, and we spend more time looking at that than we do anything else. And that's what we got to stop. So I put up this little opposite course because you, you, can you go through the cones for me without looking at the cones?
follower. It's all the way through there, man. It's all the way through there. I'm trying to hit that bald head and I can't hit it. Buddy, you next. Throw the ball. No, go ahead. Get through the op- See, we can't look at the obstacles. You got to get your head up, buddy. Don't look. Well, that wasn't much of an obstacle course. You ever see those ones? No, I didn't throw them to me. That's what we do, though. We, we spend more time looking at the obstacles in our life that Satan sets up when we shouldn't have no focus on that whatsoever. And we should be an offense. I mean, I mean, when you go through here, just go through here like that. You know, get rid of this thing, you know. Yeah, get rid of it. Don't deal with it. Let God have it. Get rid of it. And go on the offense with God. Deuteronomy 121. Look, the Lord your God has set up the land before you. This is, this is Israel. God has God gave him everything. Everything they need. You know how you know that? Because God wouldn't ask them to cross over and go into battle if he hadn't. Have. See, God's not going to ask you to do something if he's not already been there setting it up for you. He's already done the work. You just got to go. You just got to be the obedient person and go. No matter what it looks like to you, you just got to go because he set it up for you. Amen. So they're, they're complaining. They're going to start complaining. They sent spies over there because they didn't trust it. It wasn't God's idea. It was their idea. They sent the spies over there exactly what you shouldn't do. Look, the Lord your God has set up the land before you. Go up and possess it. Is that a commandment or is that God asking you something? It's a commandment. He's saying go. That, that word go. I want that word go we're going to use a few times today. Go. You just go. You don't worry about the people. You don't worry about the circumstances. You don't worry about anything that's in the way. You go because God said go. And if God said go, you go. He's already taken care of all of it. All you've got to do is go. I mean, why can't we understand that? I mean, God has written his word down that if we'll just follow his word and stay at his word and not evolve with it, then everything we want to do that God's directing us to do will be fine. Because God's love is enough for us, amen? I'm not an apostate. His love is enough. Look, look. Look, look, look. Big word there. That's what God, look at where I'm sending you. Look, it's the land of milk and honey. It's a land that, I, that I've chosen out for you. It's a, a place in your life that God desires for you to be. Every one of us. He's got this wonderful life because he tells us in Jeremiah 29, I have a, a plan for you. Not of harm to hurt you, but a plan for you. So he's saying, look. Don't pay attention to the obstacles in the way. Just look. God has set the land before you. Go up and possess it. As the Lord God of your fathers has spoken to you, do not fear or be what? Discouraged. What makes fear and discourage the obstacles in our lives? Deuteronomy 25-32, it says, They also took some of the fruit of the land in their hands and brought it down to, to us. That's the spies. They sent 12 spies. They came back. Two believed what they saw was of God and wanted to do it. The other ten were fearful. And they brought back word to us saying, It's good land which the Lord God is giving us. That, that, see, that's what God, he wants to give you these things in your life, and it's good. It's good things. Because if you love God the way he's asked us to love him, these things are for you. Nevertheless, you would not go up. They decided, even though it was good and beautiful, they're not going to do it. They had a big powwow and a big whatever you want to call it, meeting, and decided, "Uh uh-uh, God doesn't know what he's talking about. That's the problem with the church a lot. We don't, we get, we have somehow we figure out God doesn't know what he's talking about. We better do it our way and not his way. And it always fails. Nevertheless, you would not go up, but rebel. There's the word rebel. You know why we don't do what God tells us to do? And you, and you think, well, I just don't need to do that right now. It's called rebellion. And if you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, rebellion can't be in part of your life. Amen? And that automatically takes you back to that love's not enough for you. Because you're in, you're in rebellion of his love. And somehow, this wonderful love is somehow not enough for you now. It was in the past. 
So what's changed? Too many obstacles in your life? Too many things come up? And you just got so much attention? Your finances is in a mess? Your marriage in a mess? Whatever it is is in a mess? And it's now it's ruling your life more than God is? But rebelled against the commandment of the Lord your God. There's that word commandment. God didn't ask them to go over. He commanded that they go over. And you complained in your tents. That's when you go home and say, honey, did you see that preacher with the car shirt on? What kind of man is he? I'm a preacher with a car shirt on. That's what kind of man I am. It's no big secret. I like cars. I also love God. But we, we go home and we, we start to bring drama in our... I'll lick my hands, there's a mess. You bring drama in your lives and sometimes your husband and your wife... Either one of you can be the best drama queen or king with the other one. And you cause these things in your life, and it just messes everything up, doesn't it? And somehow the love of God is not enough for you. You've got to get involved in drama and everything else, and then go give somebody a piece of your mind. You've left the love of God behind. And you complain in your tents and said, because the Lord hates us. Oh, my goodness. This is the Lord that... Brought him out of Egypt and showed him miracle after miracle. Gave him all the laws and the commandments and everything they, they needed for life, to abstain life in a wonderful way, offering them a beautiful place. But because they thought it was too dangerous to go over, too fearful to go over, God hates them now. But when something goes on in your life, you automatically say, God hates me. He never does hate you. You've left that love and you don't understand what's going on in your life. He has brought us out of the land of Egypt to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites to destroy us. Another lie. Where can we go up? Our brethren have discouraged our hearts, saying, The people are greater and taller than we. The cities are great and fortified up to the heaven. Boy, that's a, tall, that's a big city, isn't it? Moreover, we have seen the sons of the Amorites, Amakin, and they're, they're huge people. Then I said to you, do not be terrified, verse 29, do not be terrified or afraid of them. We've got to go on offense, church. And you want to know what, we ask them, well, what's offense look like? It's love, his love is enough. His love is enough. No matter what you're dealing with, no matter what, circumstances you just got to put it in your mind that his love is enough to handle it his love is enough to handle it. his love is to have to handle the debates his love don't get into arguments you don't need to get in foolish arguments don't throw your your gifts in front of pigs and swines and dogs don't do that you don't need to go there his love is enough amen his love is enough his love is enough Can everybody just say that for me his love is enough one more time three times say it again one more time his love is enough now see, the world doesn't know his love. Therefore, they're evolving to whatever they want to evolve, evolve in. But when you know his love, you're firm in it. You're firm in it. These people, although they knew God more than anybody on the face of the earth at the time, they've decided that the love he has for them wasn't enough. We will fight for you according to all he did for you in Egypt before your eyes. Let me go to back 30. Lord your God who goes before you, he will fight for you. Amen? He will fight for you. According to all he did for you in the Egypt before your eyes. You know, God's done a lot for me all through my life. And when something comes up that wants to distract me, all I have to do is go back to prayer and look, think of the things that he's done for me. Amen? I can get past that. I don't have to, I don't have to get involved with that. Because I, I understand that his love is enough for me. I want to live with a cause, not without a cause. And these people are heading straight to the next 38 years without a cause. God's not going to let them cross, although they'll try and many of them will be killed later on here. But God's not going to let them cross for 38 years after this. In verse 31, And in the wilderness where you saw how the Lord your God carried you, and manna every day, fire at night to bring him heat, a cloud in the day to cover the sun to help him in the desert. 
as a man carries his son in all the way that you want until you came to this place. Yet for all that, you do not believe the Lord your God. That's where we're at today in America. Well, and as we go through this in the next few weeks, we'll talk about the pilgrims coming over. We'll talk about how this country was set up. It was set up in Christ. It was set up in God with people that love God. They came over on that Mayflower. Most of them never made it. We'll get into numbers later as we go through this, but most of them never made it to the first winter. But yet it did not stop them, and they had obstacle after obstacle after obstacle. And if they, some of them men could be here today and some of them women could be here today, I wonder what they'd think of us. After all they've done to set up a country that was founded by Christ, in the 200 years, we've allowed Satan to take over and throw every obstacle at us because we have decided that his love is not enough for us as a country. We need something more. It's called man and self. Yet for all that, you did not believe the Lord your God. You just put America right in front of that. If the Holy Spirit is your offense, then why are you always on defense? Go. You ever watch a basketball? I, didn't, I, don't, I couldn't find a basketball. So, you know, you, you got a good basketball player. But Brad, come on up here for a minute, will you? I mean, you know. I don't have Braden. I'd have brought him up. And you don't have to dribble it because I know it ain't going to dribble. Now, who plays, who plays basketball? Chris, come on up here for a minute. You come on up here. Now, Brad's on offense. That, that's the church, okay? We need to be on offense. We've got we to gotta get off this defense stuff. We've got to get off of always trying to, you know, give an excuse for why we do this or why we do that. We've got to get away from that. We've got to get like, 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 like the church was. I mean, get on a Mayflower and come over here. My goodness, knowing that, you know, a lot of you is going to die. I mean, come on, where have we come from since then? The offense. Brad, you know what you're going to do, right? You know where the basket's at, right? You know what you're going to do. Guess what he knows? Nothing. <laughs> he, de he doesn't know anything. I know you're right-handed. <laughs> he doesn't know what you're going to do, and you're going to do everything you can to fake him out, go around, and boom, score, right? Yep. Now, all he can do is keep an eye on you. And that's the defense. All we do is keep an eye on everything that's going on. And Satan, he's always on offense. Well, he doesn't, my God doesn't need to be on defense. He needs to be on offense. And his church needs to be on offense. We need to be out front changing things. Mr. Graham is going to be here in a few weeks, and I'll give you more information in October. He's going to be up in Franklin Graham. He's been going around the whole country. That man's on offense, amen? And I'll tell you what, we got some good coaches. One of them down in Clemson, what's the name of that? Clemson. Down in Alabama, man, that man, that coach of that football, he's on offense. What's his name, Bill? Sweeney. Read about him. He just gave out a testimony. It's unreal. That man's on offense. Franklin Graham is on offense. He's going around the whole country gathering people up and praying. He's asking all the churches to come to the capitals and pray. And it'll be in Indiana in, in, in October, and I'll let you know. When it's happening. But I'd love to take this church. Whoever would like to go, you say, well, i got to work. Well, take a day off. My goodness, what's more important? You take a day off if you want to go fishing or take a day off if you want to go shopping. How about take a day off and go praying? Amen. Get on offense, church, or die, because that's what's going to happen. Defense, over there. He doesn't know what the offense is going to go. Satan doesn't know what you're going to do. He doesn't know when you're on offense. He doesn't, he's, he's not even going to have time to react because, see, Brad is so fast, so quick. He knows that Chris is old and slow. And he can do it, right? Get in your stand there, Brad. Show him what you're going to do. <laughs> you know, we can have fun with this. But in reality, this is it. But the only problem is Satan's over here on offense in the world, and we're over here on defense, and this is how we're playing defense. And he just moving all around us. Well, where'd he go? Scored again. Abortion, scored again. Can't go in the bathroom because we're too scared to be a woman or man there with us. Scored again. <laughs> you guys, thank you guys.
See, love's enough, amen? Now you can say, well, we're living in a world that love's not enough because it seems like nobody wants anything to do with the church, nobody wants anything to God because the church hasn't showed them anything but what they already know. We don't get out in front. We don't do anything. We just step back. If we would get on offense with God and go, 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 get across the Jordan and start the battles because I'm telling you, the battles are there. It's because we have been so lazy and so fearful. We have left our first love, which is Jesus Christ. And his, we just look at him and say, your love's not enough. We know how powerful you are, but I just don't think it's enough because, I mean, look at them. They're mean. They're ugly. Oh, look at them. We spend too much time looking at the enemy and not the Savior, amen? Am I going crazy or am I right? Our God provides and we go, amen? He provides and we go. He provided for them. They just wouldn't go. He's still providing today. We just don't go. I'm telling you, we need to get together as a church. I hope, I hope, I know a lot of people aren't here today, but I hope, I hope we get 90% of the church to go see Franklin Graham. Wouldn't that be great? See, they'll have you on. Of course, the media don't want us anymore because the media is so anti-God, so anti-anything church, but they'll have to cover it, and they will cover it a little bit. Get filled with the Holy Spirit, and passion flows. Amen? It flows in you, and you want to do the things correctly with God. You listen to his commandments. You want to abide by his commandments. When the Holy Spirit fills you, leads you, and empowers you, what other power could rule over you? Amen? There's no other power can rule over you. Now, I'll tell you what. In order for you to get filled by the Spirit, you've got to have the Spirit. Amen? You can't be filled by something you don't have. And you have the Holy Spirit when you ask Jesus Christ to come in your life. And he does. And he starts to grow you up. The Holy Spirit moves into your life. Your personality, everything about you starts to take a change. You say, I like myself. Well, how's that been working for you? Well, fine and dandy. Well, then his love's not enough for you. You just go ahead and lock yourself a little longer. Right on, go right. Lock yourself right into hell because that's where you're heading. You say, oh, Paul, don't talk like that. Why? See, if I love him, then I tell him. Amen? If we don't love and understand that love is enough, we don't tell them we stay on defense. But when we love them, it's not my job to convince them. That's God's job. My job, the church's job, is to tell them. Amen? You can be nice about it. You can be, all, you can be whatever the Holy Spirit lets you be about it. But you still have got to tell them. You can't take the word hell out of the Bible. It's there. Jesus talks more about hell than he talks about heaven. Why? He didn't want you to go there. Amen? When the Holy Spirit fills you, leads you and empowers you, what other power can rule over you? In Joshua 5.1, it so it was when all the kings of the Amorites who were on the west side of the Jordan, that means they crossed the Jordan. America's church needs to cross the Jordan. We've got to get out of the wilderness. We've got to cross. Get over there. I crossed a long time ago. The church needs to cross and get over there and get on offense and head out and do what God tells us to do. Am I, am I, you get this? I'll tell you over here, we're out of time. We're out of time. So it was when all the kings of the Amorites who were on the west side of the Jordan and all the kings of the Canaanites who were on the east sea heard that the Lord had dried up the waters of the Jordan from before the children of Israel until we had crossed over, that their hearts what? What? Say it. Melted. And there was what? What was? There was no what. In what? Them any longer because the children of Israel my goodness let the church cross the Jordan let it get on offense and that life over there that world over there will start to melt because the power of the Holy Spirit the power of the love of Christ will command it amen whoo I'm gonna cross and go whether you guys do or not they all they can do is kill the kill the body they can't kill the spirit amen they can put me in jail and I'll, I'll talk to people in jail. I don't care. But we got to go. I tell this church all the time, you got to go, you got to go. How many of you are going? How many of you are talking to the people about Jesus? How many of you are mentioning the word of Jesus? How many of you are mentioning the love of Christ? How many, I ask? Quit being hard on us, preacher. Hell's going to be a lot harder. 
In Joshua 2, 8 through 12, they sent spies again. This time it was okay. And they went to a lady named Rahab. And we're going to go through this fast. They went to a lady named Rahab, and she was one person that started to understand the love of God. And God sent these people to her to protect them because God has always got your back. Amen? He's got your front, your side, both sides, the back. He's got the top. He's got the bottom. He's got it all. Now before they lay down, she came up to them on the roof. And she's going to encourage these people and said to the, said to the men, I know that the Lord has given you the land. Wow. Do you, do you understand the world over here? They know the church has the power. Satan knows the church has the power. He knows it. The problem is the church doesn't know it. He knows it. The world knows Why do you think they try to shut us down? They know that they've got to tear this out of our hands. They know they've got to tear They've got to make us rethink. That's what one, one of the ones president, running for president. We've got to make them rethink. No, you don't. You're not going to. You're not going to make me rethink this. You're not taking it out of my hands. This wonderful lady would also be in the line of Christ as time goes on. She knew this. I know that the Lord has given you the land. How does she know that? They've been over in the wilderness for 40 years. They've looked like a bunch of, like a bunch of lost people for 40 years. And the, all those people that were, the, all those people are gone. They're, they're dead. The only ones that made it were that was 20 years and younger at the two-year mark, 38 years ago. The rest of them are dead now. They're gone. The only two of them, Joshua and Caleb, the only ones that made it. Moses is gone. All these new lives came over, and all they know is the wilderness. All they know, but they know something. They know about the promise, don't they? They know about the promised land. They've been taught about the promised land. They've heard the stories about Egypt. They've heard the word of God. They've heard Moses for all those years, and they believed it. And see, if they didn't believe it, if they didn't believe that that love was enough for them, they wouldn't have crossed, and Israel wouldn't be here. We wouldn't be here. But they believed it because God put it in their hearts to believe. That's how she knew God put it in her heart to believe. That's how the world will know. God's just waiting on us to go. Amen? He's just waiting on us to get some courage and go. See, we've got some good men and women out there that are doing this. We've got to back them. We've got to, we've got to back them in prayer. We've got to back them with our physical bodies. We've got to go. I know that the Lord has given the land that the terror of you has fallen on us. <clears throat> They're a bunch of nobodies. Not a, not a city, not a wall, not hardly anything. No resources, nothing to sell except for what they do. They, they're nothing but God's people, amen? That's all you need to be is God's people. I know that the Lord has given you the land, that the terror of you has fallen on us, and that all the inhabitants of the land are faint-hearted because of you. This is Jericho, which we'll head into next week a little bit. Everybody, that means everybody. The kings, the great army they have, this big wall they've built around them. They're fearful of people that run in the wilderness because they know their God, not the people so much. Amen? You want this country to become great again? Church, rise up and give them Jesus. They'll be great. It'll be great again. Is it going to be a battle? In, in every, a lot of people, well, there's no way we can get past that. Well, I don't even know what they call them, LGBT or whatever they call them. Them people are ridiculous. They're just full of evil. They're full of Satan. Oh, you know, don't talk like that. Yeah, they are. Don't even, go, don't even come to me with that stuff. It's evil. It's all evil putting men in women's bathrooms for little girls. It's evil. Amen. Don't give me nothing else. They don't care about the love of God. I do. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you 
when you came out of Egypt. Boy, they have heard 40 years ago they've been paying attention, haven't they? The world pays attention to you, church. It's getting everything you give them. And they know there's no power here because the church is not filled with the Spirit of God. Nothing to fear. We're too busy dealing with the obstacles. Nothing to fear from that church over there. Give them God and they'll fear. Give them the love because love for Christ should be enough for us. I heard how they dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt and what you did to the two kings and the Amorites who were on the other side of Jordan and Shunem and Og when you utterly destroyed. And as soon as they... We heard these things, our hearts melted again, that word again. Never did there remain any more courage in anyone because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in heaven and above and on the earth and beneath. How did she know that? She hasn't spent time in the wilderness with us. She hasn't heard the preaching. I'll tell you what, there ain't a person alive that doesn't know God as God. They just deny it. An atheist knows there's a God, they just deny it. And they believe the lie, and Satan allows them to believe it. And he, he, can, he gets in there, and he just builds on that. He tells us we can know there's God, but just the, the sky and the sun and the, the planet and the things around us. We know that something created all this. And as we go in time and technology comes out, even more we understand that some of these things they want to in, infiltrate or try to shove down our throats is nothing but a lie. It's nothing but man-made things. Now, therefore, I beg you, swear to me by the Lord, since I have shown you kindness, that you also will show kindness to my father's house and give me a true token. In other words, save us from what's about to take place. She knew they were going to be destroyed, didn't she? She knew they didn't have a chance. She knew that those big walls of Jericho weren't going to help them at all. She knew it. And everybody in there knew it. They didn't know how it was going to happen, but they knew there was a power coming they couldn't deal with. Amen? It was coming, it was coming because they'd went on offense, got off the defense, it was coming, and they couldn't deal with it. And they melted with fear. Man, I can't wait for that day. And either we'll do it now or Jesus will do it on his own. But I think he's asking us to do it. Everybody stand, please. We're going to close. Hebrews 13, 1. Everybody read this for me. Let, let brotherly love continue. Let the love for each other continue. This church is a family. It's a one big family. We help each other. We help each other. We want to get through the circumstances that we have in our lives. We pick each other up. We wipe each other off. And we keep going. Amen? Now, as this world comes to a close, as this nation starts to fall, Things are going to get harder. And I see it a lot. I see it so plainly, so clear, more than most, because I deal with these people over and over again. It's coming to an end. Whether Jesus is coming back or not, this, this nation's coming to an end. But it doesn't have to. If we go on offense, church, not just this church, but all churches, let me tell you, there's a lot of pastors preaching the same thing I'm preaching. If we'll go on offense, and get with the power of the Holy Spirit, things can change. Do you believe me? Then go. Go to where you work. Quit being scared. Don't fear that you're going to get fired. Don't fear people that hate the church. They don't know the love of Christ like you know. Give them the love and watch them melt. Words for your week. Who's got them? I hear a lot of mumbling. You hear a lot of mumbling? A lot of mumbling. Where the love is, what, say what, where? Where love is not enough, the church? Give it to him, John. Where love is not enough, the church has nothing more to offer you. Y'all need to write that down. You need to remember it. If the love of Christ is what you're giving out and that's not enough for people, then you need to wipe the dust off your feet and move on. Move on. That's what we have to give. That's all we have to offer. I, I don't have anything else. A few dollars is not going to change your life. It just makes me getting in the way of where God's working. That's what it does.
I can't go there. Your question for the week, how many times have you failed the obstacle course? How many times have you failed the obstacle course? How many times have you gone through that thing and you just whew, get to the end of it? And where'd you go? Satan throws a lot of things at us. And as long as you pay attention to things that he's throwing at us, you'll never pay attention to God. I'm telling you, church, go. I don't know what it looks like. I'm just telling you to go. You have the Holy Spirit just like I have. Pray and go. Now, I want you to be thinking about it. I'll give you a date next week. It's the, around the 1st of October when that's going to be taking place up in Indy. You got it for me? October 5th at 12 p.m., Capitol South Lawn, 200 West Washington Street. Thank you. That's when Franklin and Graham will be here. That's where I'm going to be. I'm going, I don't know what day is that on. Wednesday. I'm taking a Wednesday off. <laughs> I'll call myself, say, self, I'm taking off. You know what? Where's Charles? Charles in here? Brent ain't here either, that heathen. I'm not going to give Brent the day off. I'm going to give Charles the day off. We'll give a few more people off too if they'll come down there. Amen? Let's go, church. You want to? Let's go. I'm going to open up the tables. If you belong to Jesus Christ, you're welcome at these tables. Come and enjoy the Lord this morning. If there's something you need from God and it's beyond His love, then you've got a heart problem. You got to get back to his love and then allow him to love you, allow you to accept that love and allow him to fix your life. But until the love comes, the love's not first, nothing else is going to help you. So come, enjoy the Lord today. If you've got issues, let the God take care of it. Be filled with the Spirit and love. Amen? If you don't know it, come and ask me. I'll be happy. I'll be enthusiastic to tell you about it. It's a wonderful love. Come and enjoy the Lord today.